0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Live With Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing studying through the book of Romans and specifically today we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 6 verses 12 to 23. In the last section we went in depth about our old nature and sin and what exactly that is, where did it come from, and answered the question, if God's grace increases when we sin, then we should just keep sinning so that we should have more grace, right? And we saw the repetition with the word no, which hinted a lot to thinking and the mind. And when we highlighted the words consider or reckon in other translations, and now we're going to cover the will of a person. So let's get right into it. Verses 12 to 23 say this in the New Living Translation. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, but you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you can become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, that was a big long chunk of scripture, but I hope you stayed with me to the end. If you read this in the King James Version, you'll notice that it says the word yield a lot. And basically the idea here is that the believer's body should be given to God as a living sacrifice for his glory. Now, what does that mean, living sacrifice? Well, in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant, God accepted animal sacrifices, but this was just foreshadowing the sacrifice of Jesus in the future. And because of Jesus' ultimate once and for all sacrifice on the cross, the Old Testament sacrifices then became obsolete and they had no effect any longer. For those who are in Christ, meaning the people who believe and trust in God, the only acceptable worship is to offer ourselves completely to God, meaning to live for God and under God's control, the believer can be used by God for good things. So what does a living sacrifice look like practically? Well, Romans 12 will describe it absolutely perfectly, but to summarize it really quickly, it just says that we're not to be conformed by this world. And the world is actually defined in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, which says this in the New Century Version. These are the ways of the world, wanting to please our sinful selves wanting the sinful things we see, and being too proud of what we have. None of these come from the Father, but all of them come from the world. And I'm also going to read it in the Amplified Bible, and it says it like this. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, meaning the pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. I really like the Amplified Bible when I really want to dig deep into what a verse really means because I feel like it uses a lot of describing adjectives to really get the point across. But I also really like reading paraphrases as well because it helps get to the point in modern language. And so that's why I thought to include both of these translations. So I hope it was actually useful for anyone listening. Anyway, so living for God is an act of the will based on the knowledge that we have of what Jesus has done for us. It involves the mind a lot, and it's not just some frivolous decision that we just make willy-nilly based off our emotions. Let's actually reread verses 12 to 13 again. It says this, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, now pay attention to this bit, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So it's pretty clear that there needs to be a final and complete surrender of ourselves to Jesus once we know what he has done for us, but it doesn't just end there at the decision to do so. We've talked about justification and sanctification in previous episodes, but to summarize the concept, the longer we walk with Jesus, the deeper the fellowship with him must become. But obviously you can't do that before giving your life over to him in the first place, And this commitment needs to be refreshed daily. Now, why, why does God want your whole self, body and all? Well, to start with, the believer's body is called in the Bible, God's temple, and he wants to use it for his glory. And we also saw in verse 13 that Paul says that the body is also called God's tool and weapon. And we can also see that when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, and it says this, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, but God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And also in Philippians chapter 1 verses 20 to 21, it also says this, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Now, please don't get this twisted. God doesn't want to use you for a manipulative, toxic reason. Like we use that term when we talk about people when they want to use us. But that's not what we're talking about here. God wants to use the ones who love him for building his kingdom and weapons for fighting good and defeating his enemies. And the more you learn about God's character, the more you understand that that is actually a really good thing. The Bible tells stories about people who let God use them for fulfilling his purposes. For example, God used the rod in Moses' hand and conquered Egypt and set the Hebrew slaves free. And he also used the sling in David's hand to defeat the evil Philistines. He also used the mouths of the prophets to declare warnings and good news to his people. And Paul's dedicated feet were also used to take him from city to city, telling everyone about the good news of Jesus and what he has done for everyone's salvation. And also the Apostle John's eyes saw visions of the future and his ears heard God's message and his fingers wrote it all down in a book that we can now read today. Anyway, let's now reread verses 14 to 15, which says this, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Now, we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes, but we aren't saved by the law. We're not saved by just doing good deeds or anything like that. And we also don't live under the Old Testament law anymore. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And the fact that we're saved by grace does not actually give us an excuse to sin, but it does give us a reason to listen and to do what he says. Verses 16 to 20 says, "'Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin.' You have become slaves of righteous living because of the weakness of your human nature. I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. So, This is an illustration, obviously. They even say it's an illustration, and I hope the message of it is pretty obvious. Whatever you submit to becomes your master. Before you become saved, you are a slave of sin. But if you've given your life over to Jesus, you now belong to him, and you're freed from that old slavery, and you're now a servant of Christ. The unsaved person is free from righteousness, according to verse 20, but their bondage to sin just leads them deeper and deeper into being enslaved to it. So it just becomes harder and harder to do what is right. Now, you might be able to see this practically in real life when you witness people saying or doing something that is so very clearly wrong, but they just don't seem to be phased at all by what they've done. The prodigal son story in Luke chapter 15 is also a really good example of this concept. When he was home, he decided that he wanted his freedom, so he left home to find himself and enjoy himself, but his rebellion only led him deeper into slavery. He was a slave to wrong desires, which therefore made him a slave to wrong deeds, and then finally he became a literal slave when he had to take care of pigs, which Jews can't do. He wanted to find himself, but he ended up losing himself instead. What he thought was freedom only turned out to be the worst kind of slavery, and it wasn't until he came back and yielded himself to his father that he found true freedom and what that even meant. Okay, now let's read verses 21 to 23. It says this, and what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you serve a master, in today's society, we would actually use the word employer for this, but you can expect to receive wages, you know, like a salary. Sin pays wages also, and that is death. We've covered this in previous episodes, so I'm not going to go into depth with it here, but also know that God also pays wages and that is holiness and salvation, you know, like eternal life with him in heaven. If we are Christians, in our old way of life, we produced fruit that made us ashamed. We did things that weren't good. And in our new life with Jesus, we now produce fruit that glorifies God and brings joy to our lives. Samson, for example, in Judges 16 is a really good example of this. He wouldn't yield himself to God, but instead preferred to yield to the lusts of the flesh and the result was death. If the Christian refuses to surrender their body, to God, but instead uses it for things that are bad or sinful and uses it for those purposes, then they're in danger of being disciplined by God. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 to 11 says this in the contemporary English version. But you have forgotten that the scriptures say to God's children, when the Lord punishes you, don't make light of it. And when he corrects you, don't be discouraged. The Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. Be patient when you are being corrected. This is how God treats his children. Don't all parents correct their children? God corrects all of his children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. Now pay attention to this. Our earthly fathers correct us and we still respect them. Isn't it even better to be given true life by letting our spiritual father correct us? Our human fathers correct us for a short time and they do it as they think best. But God corrects us for our own good because he wants us to be holy as he is. It is never fun to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it is always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and we will live at peace. So to summarize this whole section of scripture, each and every day, we need to know and remember that we have been crucified with Jesus and we are now dead to sin. We need to consider this fact to be true in our own lives and we need to surrender our whole selves over to God to be used his glory. Now that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it all made sense to you. Feel free to message me on Instagram at Rachel Melimer. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-M-E-L-L-E-M-A. If you are enjoying this podcast series and I hope you have a really great rest of your week. Bye everyone!